This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. In this episode, we've got double trouble. Two people coming back for part two of our chat with them. Let's jump into the intro and I'll tell you exactly who they are. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit that subscribe button or follow buttons all the algorithm thingy majiggies whatever they do it's good so hit them welcome back people and welcome back to today's guests who are today's guests well they've been here before and we had a chat and we probably didn't even cover anywhere near as much as what we wanted to so i said screw it come back on and they're back Steve and Michael from the lovely sunny place of the world called Australia. They've come back for more and it's apparently really late for them, which they didn't tell me. So I was a bit frustrated about that. Like, why don't you just say that it's midnight and dude, I can't find any time on your on your little link booking thing um, other than midnight on a Sunday. Crazy people. So I greatly... and. Uh, just strongly have, what am I trying to say? I send my appreciation to them is what I'm trying to say. I'm greatly appreciative of their commitment to rebranding safety and their commitment to you, the listener and the watcher, to give you as much information as they can. They wanted to come back and they were willing to do it by the crack of dawn, literally the crack of dawn. On a Sunday of all days, you guys are getting up in a few hours and going to work. Crazy bastards, crazy bastards. Right, before we jump into the chat, just a quick message from our sponsors. Obviously, all the content that I make is uh, kind of unofficially sponsored by Project Miletium because that is my company. Colin Nottage, who runs the Interest and Safety podcast, and me, who runs Rebound and Safety, obviously, partnered together a while ago. We've been on about three months now to launch Project Miletium. This has been a long time in the running. We've been up and running about three months, but essentially this is a professional development community for the safety, risk and resilience professionals. Those people that are working in that space, be it safety one, safety two, whatever you want to call yourself. If you're working in risk, safety, resilience, anything like that, this is the place for you. Health as well. We, I include health in safety. For me, safety is health is one like encompassing term. But anyway, I'm sure somebody will pick faults in that. Um, but Project Miletium, what is it? It's a community, essentially. It is a members only community. It's a mix of, of, of calls, basically. We've also got some online resources, but our calls are really well, just calling them Zoom calls doesn't really do it justice, but essentially they are community calls every week where we go in, we help each other keep going. You know, we, we motivate each other. We help each other solve challenges that we've had last week or we've got coming up the week before. We also run a book club. Um, every month we read a book, you get it on our newsletter, and then you'll read the book and then 
we'll all come into the book club and talk about the book, obviously, which is just amazing. Like, I love the book club. And then at the end of the quarter, we have our quarterly wagon wheel, which is a mastermind event, basically. We'll bring in a speaker. They talk about that. We do a workshop afterwards, focusing on that keynote, what we've learned and how we're going to put that into practice. Then one of our members will get up and deliver a keynote on a challenge that they are currently having and the whole community will feedback and help them fix that problem, help them solve that challenge. Um, and then after that, we go into a workshop to set ourselves goals for the next quarter. And then we finish off a little bit of an update from me and Colin about Project Project Meletium and then off we go. Um, members also get online courses which are coming this year and then we also have an online resource library and a LinkedIn group as well. This is about the power of community. We kept the cost as low as we could um, just to facilitate for our time and the costs that we do. And the aim here is to get all the people in the room chatting, helping each other solve problems, become a better profession. So if you want to try it out, just drop me a DM on LinkedIn or email me at james at rebrandingsafety.com or email us at projectmeletium at me at projectmeletium.com. Multiple ways to get in contact with us and just say, I want to try out one of the calls for free and we'll get you in one of our weekly calls free of charge, completely free of charge. If you don't want to do that and you just think, screw this, I want in now, and you want to join up, go to www.projectmeletium.com, go to the Join Us page and just click, click the button so it says join us. And that's it, you're in. You'll get an email and then boom, off you go. Everything's on our members-only area of our website as well. So I hope to see you at one of our Meletium calls soon. Now on to our official rebranding safety sponsor, Paradigm Human Performance HSC subscription service. Paradigm Human Performance are absolute experts in human and organizational performance, and they have a HSC subscription service, which is there for those small and medium-sized enterprises, those people that feel like they're just spinning plates and health and safety is a bit of an unaffordable luxury, something that, mm, it's all right, we're okay, we're okay, um, um, let's just hope we don't get caught. They're kind of... They're they're succeeding through luck, not really design. And this is where paradigm come in. They, like I say, are human and organizational performance experts, but their HSE subscription service is about delivering regulatory, legislative, and industry compliance to make sure you're ticking all of those boxes you need to tick because there are two parts to safety. There is the human side, but there is also the compliance side. So if you want a HSC management system and some support on a monthly basis, starting at £99, this is a place for you to get that peace of mind, to put worker safety at the centre of your DNA, to make you understand and realise the potential of your worker. This is a package for you, 100%. So go check them out. If you're not sure yet, you can check out their website. I'll link it in the description below and you can go to their learning organization webinar series, which is cracking. It's free of charge every Thursday. Go check that out if you're not sure. You'll, you'll meet the Paradigm team and, uh, and, and you'll just see how amazing they are. So you can do that first. If not, I'll put their email address and the phone number in the description below so you can go check that out. If you don't want to do that, you can go straight there and you can start working with them straight away. Just give them a call, give them an email address. Off you go. I love Paradigm. We would not have partnered with them if I did not love what they do. I literally love Teresa. She's involved in so much of the stuff I do. I love the way she thinks and I love the way she works. And Paradigm, the team she's building there, the people that they're partnering with, the clients they're working with, all of it just, oh, so good. So 
you are looking for some support and health, safety and environment, this is the package for you. Trust me, there's nothing like it out there. Right, without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Steve and Michael. Right, gents. Are you, oh, Steve, you look like you're frozen already. Oh, no, you're just sitting unbelievably no, I'm still. just sitting. Hey, I'm sitting. Yeah, I'm you sitting. You really I'm... intense then. And I was like, oh, he's froze. <laughs> and then you blinked. <laughs> I'm surprised no one's, like, I'm surprised Michael hasn't taken me out because I'm wearing a pink shirt. He seems to call me the Pink Panther a lot because I like to wear pink, pink clothing. It looks orange in my, through the camera. Oh, does it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. You get in trouble for that as well, so... <laughs> right gents uh introduce yourself who wants to go first uh michael can go first all right um so my name is michael cornan um i'm from uh, urban utilities in brisbane in queensland australia originally from ireland um been doing safety for about 12 years um yeah kind of came into urban utilities over the last 12 months and uh, with all the good work they've been doing there. And yeah, it's just living the dream. Living the dream. Uh, and my name's Steve Harvey. I've been with urban utilities for about two and a half years now. And uh, yeah, I sort of came in when we were just starting the safety differently, safety two strategy. So but I've been in safety probably more, uh, since about 2006. And um, yeah, look, I've, I've had a big interest in safety two and safety differently since about 2014, 2015. So right. it's good times. So you were both kind of safety two mindset before you joined this company. Yeah, yeah. Well, I basically went over to Urban Utilities because of all of the really good work that they've been doing. I've been um, going interested in safety differently and safety too probably about uh, 12 months before that and was really um really uh really wanted to understand how we could operationalize the the safety differently approach um and uh, yeah it was it was it was really cool though we had a really good team of people like steve and um tony mcconaughey and kim bancroft and uh, a friend of ours uh, scott who was uh, who just passed away recently but yeah just a really good team doing some really amazing innovative stuff in this space so. yeah, I mean, and i and i had met kim uh a, a couple of years prior to starting the urban utilities and i basically had to get put on an avo because i was hassling her every single week saying i need to get a job with you kim i need i need to work at urban utilities i need to do this work uh, even though, even though I was sort of doing it in my own way, other organisations. Yeah, but yeah. when, when those, when I found out those guys had actually made a strategy of it, it was like I need to work there. Uh, yeah. So I was very fortunate to get in. Kim, Kim's moved on now, hasn't she? Yeah, mate. Yeah, she moved on to Circle. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a, a little bit of disruption at Urban Utilities just now. So okay. yeah, there's a, f- a few people starting to move on, which is a shame. Yeah, kind of, it's natural as well, though, isn't it? It's quite natural in the safety profession, I find, as well. You go in, do a job, and then and then just kind of move on to the next challenge. Yeah, anyway, that's it, mate. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about that challenge, then. So when, when you guys joined, how far in, were they, were they pretty fresh? Was this, was this just starting, or how far into this kind of change were they? For me, it was like the... The strategy was just sort of beginning, James. So right. basically what happened was the organisation really needed an uplift of the safety function. So it was just sort of 
Okay, I'm not saying that the safety team weren't respected or anything like that, but it was just sort of they had that stereotypical approach to safety. And then obviously when Kim came in as a safety manager, she really wanted to take it like take that safety differently approach. So um yeah, the, the CEO and the, the executive team sort of had made that decision that they were definitely ready for something new. And Kim had sort of introduced all these concepts from guys like Decker and Holnagel. Todd Conklin, and um, yeah, like everyone started to get excited about it. Cool. So we, it was yeah, it was really awesome. So we, like Kim had created a, a four day safety leadership program, and basically we put all our leaders and delivery partners or like contractors, we call them delivery partners, uh, put them through all this training, and um, yeah, everyone was loving it. Like that. What, what about you, Michael? You're a bit newer, though, am I right? Yeah, so just in the last 12 months, um, when I came into the business, it was kind of um, a lot of work had been done already in, in this space, but kind of went over. There was It had, hadn't quite been rolled out, well, I suppose. It hadn't been embedded in, in a lot of the areas. So coming into the business, it was, it was good to to be able to get in and get my hands dirty and, and actually start getting out to those areas where, you know, those, uh, the things, it wasn't quite um, fully embedded, but um, we did some really good work over the last 12 months, really getting it. And the guys just absolutely love it. The whole approach for them is, is, is amazing. And, you know, just from, it, it's improved how, how you know, their the life at work. That's interesting. Man, there's just so much here, like, I come. I just. I don't want to come back with all the like stereotypical safety one arguments, but like they're, they're some of them are fair conversations. Like I just jumping on your point, Michael. Like you know, that the workers love it and stuff like that. Like I think sometimes there's maybe, in my opinion, a, a misconception that the workers love it because we've just removed all aspects of safety. Like they view this. Maybe maybe this is an, an, an exaggeration, but let, let's bear with the exaggeration for the sake of the conversation or the question at least. And that I think some people perceive this as a, you know, that classical throwing the baby out with a bathwater, but yeah. it's not really yeah. what, what you what you see, I assume. James, I can tell you, I, I met up with one of the guys that I hadn't seen for a while on Thursday, and he was... And we were sort of reflecting on our first conversation. And the first conversation that we had was he was talking about safety legislation. And I remember coming back to the office going, why the hell are workers at the point in talking about legislation? I want them talking about risk and, you know, the controls and what they're, what they're actually getting up to. Yeah. And he reminded me of that the other day. He was sort of saying, oh, do you remember that you really gave me a row for talking about legislation? And I was like, yeah, I do. I do. I, could, I reflect on that a lot. And I says, and he says, like it's good now that we can actually have these good conversations about work. Work well, work is done, really. And yeah, and like yeah. we know that you won't be judgmental about when you tell us the messy stories. Yeah. So that's um the event. Like that, that I think that's really the, the the key thing for us, myself and Michael, is just like the guys feel that they can tell us these sort of messy details of work. And we can, you know, we won't be judgmental, you know, like we'll actually say, right, okay, how can we help you? How can we improve that process for you? You know, do we need to take it back to the business? And, you know, that that's really some of the things that the guys have taken on board. Yeah, look, I agree, Steve. I think, um, look, I was ha- similarly, I was having a conversation the other day with one of our executives and 
and our whole approach they love getting the information through from the guys on the on the, on the call face and and you know finding out where where the problems are it helps them as leaders to to kind of to to, to make good decisions for the business because they're, they're getting true information directly from the, the guys that are actually at the pointy end so it's definitely not throwing out the baby with the bathwater we still need um all of the the safety one approach you never really get rid of that you don't throw everything away but what you're trying to do is you're trying to make it as as usable as possible for the guys that are actually doing the work and 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 there's a lot of benefit for the business as well around trying to make sure that you know you're more efficient you're more you're more streamlined you're not you're not taking up half of the time and and, and the cost of the business of actually having to 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 look after all of this compliance and it doesn't yeah it, it's absolutely crazy so it, it's more efficient for the business but we're not throwing everything out we're, we're making it as, as usable as possible for the worker uh, but also giving giving really good information back up to the to the managers and the executives in the business as well what, what does that that look like that i'm curious because this is this is the conversation i've literally been having the last two or three days um around accident and incident reporting which is a which is a, a regular thing that comes up in this safety two conversation because i remember interviewing kevin furness who's, who's done quite a lot of work in this space for mask um he's moved on now um but he he's quite he's quite uh he's quite strict on the fact you know when he went in he that he just said well, i'm not showing you the accident and incident data um, which I, I understand his logic behind it. Uh, and but what I struggle with is, is actually kind of communicating that out to people. Like people are so uncomfortable with that. We're so attached, even with the research, like that we've seen, I don't know if you saw the, the, I can't remember what it was, a construction industry association yeah. or whatever it was, did the, the report on the, the truffle rates. Yeah. 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 yeah on truffle rates. And it was funny. I, I saw this comment the other day, right. And it did make me chuckle. I can see, I can see the, uh, this, this guy basically said, and I'm paraphrasing very poorly, but like he was basically, I can really see the point of this. Like it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, it says that they're 98%, you know, random, the, these, these rates are 98% random, blah, blah, blah. And, it, and I was like, yeah, he, he gets this. And then at the end he just goes, but I don't think they're terrible. You know, I don't think they're wrong. <laughs> And, and I think we should still use it. I'm like, dude, you just you just wrote in your same comment, it's 98% random. And you still think it's something to use to predict something, but it's 98% random. Like if I said to you, the odds are 98% you're going to lose money, you wouldn't bet on that, would you? Like you just <laughs> wouldn't bet on it. I, but I, there's, there's just such an ingrained need for this stuff. So I'm curious as to like, what does the reporting from, like, how do you provide that assurance to to those senior leaders and, and external stakeholders? I'm thinking of like... Uh, oh, I'd love to answer this one if I could. Uh, and I I, you you, you take it, mate. Thing. You, you take oh. it. I, I'm thinking of, before you go, like, I've just read, I've just finished reading David Provan and Drew Ray's uh, research on safety of work, where they break... Yep. They break it down into like demonstrated safety, social safety, which for me, game changer. I think that's one of the best things I've ever read in safety. So what does that demonstrated safety look like for, for you guys? Well, basically, mate, we, we've ditched LTI 
intra rates. We we have something called significant injury injury frequency, right? But I don't even know what it is, if I'm being totally honest. And I used and I used to sort of calculate that data. But mate, what we do now is we we tell stories to the boards and the executives. You know, what we do is we capture things called uh, critical control work insights. So we go out into the field and we will have a look at some of these big jobs that are on the go. And it don't even need to be big jobs either. And we will bring that back to the business to talk about the controls that were in place, what was, you know, what the, what the actual what, what work was being performed and what controls did these guys have in place. So we will take that to the board. We also capture stuff like, yeah, like uh, employee assistance calls, you know, like we will put some of that data in there too. Basically, Kim Bancroft's reporting was just amazing. She used the six elements of due diligence to sort of prepare her reports. So that was uh that's the way that we sort of take that reporting up to the, up to the business. But mate, as far as Triffer rates and LCI rates, I I I can't remember the last time I even saw one in our business anyway. Uh, maybe took away the zero harm slogan in our business. And I don't even think anyone even noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, any thoughts on that, mate? You're like, you're, you've seen those reports as well. Yeah, I think the reporting, uh, the, the reporting for us is is around giving, like, as an executive or, or, and our board as well, we, we send information up through up to those guys around what's actually happening in the field. So, uh, but we're also trying to give them the the complexity of the work or the things that are making it really hard for the guys to actually do the work, right? And so it gives them it gives them real time information. We're not just giving them a number without any context. Like I really struggle with reporting systems because I get really frustrated when people just spend too much time on the on the system around reporting because it's it's not effective because you, you need to be you know talking to your guys in the field trying to understand what makes the work hard and, and how can we help them as a business be successful. So you know even the reporting systems themselves they give you a lot of information but you've actually got to go back out next still ask the guys you know what are the problems once you've had that all that data it doesn't actually give you any context and and it doesn't drive any real improvement on and how you can actually fix things Mm. michael were we in the pub when we were talking about this just recently (laughs) like (laughs) i'm pretty sure we we had a conversation about injury rates and i know that from my previous experience I've um, I'm not going to say I've fudged them, but I've maybe massaged them a little bit over time. I think we've so, all done uh, that. I think we've yeah, yeah, mate. Look, safety safety is a narrative, right? That safety is a narrative. That's, there's no doubt about it. And I, I'm not taking credit for that one. That's bloody Greg Smith. <laughs> so he he wrote that safety is a, a narrative, not a number. And I totally agree with him. That's, I like that. And I, I I like the way that we sort of particularly in our business where we're just taking these critical control insights to the board and saying like things are working, but we need to, we might need to look at working at heights or something like that, or we might need to look at confined space entries. So I I always remember you talked about Dave there, James. I always remember Dave telling me a story around, I think it was the chairman of an organization he worked in said to Dave, oh, how's our LTI rates or something? And Dave went, hang on a minute, like this whole organization and you know, that's that that's um that's the only thing you want to know. And and the chairman went, Well, that's all you give me. 
so as if to so as if to say, hey, look, well, you don't tell me anything else. You're only telling me the rates. That's interesting. So, yeah, it is. It really was. I, I've always remembered that when Dave told the, me that. They so. the, the only, it, it kind of like we created this rod for our own back in a way, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah mate. That's As a profession, we definitely have. Well, we, we've been giving, we've been peddling this stuff for years, right? Okay. And even around the LTI frequency race, like we know guys that are, their performance bonus is based on on LTI frequency rates, and you know what they say: anything that can be measured will be manipulated. So there's, you know, the the amount of times that you know you, you're having arguments with doctors, and you know, or in the past around you know whether it's an LTI, and you're trying to massage yeah. it so to make it not yeah. an LTI. It's just Been it's there, not no, it's it's wasted time. You know, it's not it's putting your That's efforts a good way in wrong. Yeah, it is. It's wasted time. Yeah, and I look. I suppose it's not too bad for organisations like ours because we are like we as an organisation are not held to other organi- to other companies to say hey, which what is our LTI rates? You know, like we we don't have to contract out to these big organisations, but we yeah. but we do ask, we do ask our delivery partners, you know, about their rates. So it's still a conversation that we have yeah. externally, but internally, it's sort of we've sort of removed that conversation. That, that that's interesting. I, I want to come back to that one. Yeah, because that's interesting. I'm going to come back to that for sure. What like you mentioned the six elements of due diligence. I was interested. Are you able to list them out, or are you going to tell me they're copyright or something? And Kim, no, they're not copyrighted, mate. But I can't. It's Sunday night here in Brisbane. I can't remember them. <laughs> oh, that's why you. That's why you brushed but, over. Um, uh, but look, it's in the legislation, mate. It's it's, it's actually required, but under law. Uh, in, six, in, yeah. in your in your in your Aussie le- legislation, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's there's six there's six elements of due diligence that directors and and, and of organisations have to sort of follow. Oh, Once it's, it. it's it's around about like stuff like resourcing. Uh, oh, Michael, you need to help me here. Sort of stuff like resourcing. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, you know, Kim's going to be really disappointed if she hears this. Yeah. That you can't remember it. Yeah, she will be because I like she'll be like, oh, like I was spent so much time on them. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's basically let's like, say six elements of due diligence, mate. And so that's why you brushed over it, and you were hoping, don't ask me what those six elements of due diligence are because <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, no, I've got my phone here. I'm like, I've got other stuff to talk to you about, <laughs> but I've got oh, I don't want to take it off now because it's like, <laughs> but like it's definitely easy to find, mate, and I'm happy happy to share anything that we've got and that's. What, what makes it interesting for me is 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 the language of it. Due diligence. That that's a word that people that are used to traditional safety, old view, safety won't. That that's a phrase that people know and, and they get that and they can relate to that. So I and I love it when we take like there's there's two sides to this argument. I really get it. Like, and I think Steve, it was either you or or your other colleague that you were on the podcast with Sam Goodman with, um, that were were talking about changing the language. Um, yeah, which, which I yeah, and you and I think you were quite really uh, like solid on it, like the events and accidents and incidents, which I really get. I really understand, but I think sometimes, let's say for example, my my kind of work that I do a lot of at the moment a lot of the people I talk to they call a lot of this stuff behavioral based safety because that's all they know mm-hmm. so so for now 
you know, I'm going to start sowing the seeds of human organizational performance, safety differently, resilience, safety to whatever you want to call it. I'm going to start sowing the seeds of that stuff. But actually what I'm teaching them is what I would call kind of hop really more than anything. Um, but they call it behavior by safety, man. I'm going to call it behavior by safety just for the sake of ease of conversation, because it's what they get. And I like that, you, you know, six elements of due diligence is a word that they get like compliance is a word they get. I mean, to be yeah. honest, I don't use the word compliance. It makes my skin crawl. But, you know, it's sometimes I think, and maybe it would be interesting to get your opinion on it. Like, there's a ba- is there a balance between being real strict on we're changing the language and then going, actually, let's just use the language that they're used to for now, but but act differently? Like, where's the line? Do we do that? Am I way off base or, or what? What do you think? Uh- Mate, look, for me, it been odd. When I call audits, I call them excellence assessments, right? right? And the, the people always think I'm mental when I say that. Oh, we're I mean, getting an audit. No, no, mouth, no. We're, it's a bit of a mouthful, get, mate. Like, yeah, but it's a lot. It's a lot nicer than audits, right? <laughs> yeah, true. And even then, um, Scotty, um, our dear friend who passed away in January, he uh, he used to, he he never said non-conformities. He always said areas for improvement, and I, I love like that. that. Yeah, I love uh, that. I mean, in terms of due diligence, like, we, just, like, we can't get around that, right? That's that's it's that's it's called it, yeah, it's called out in the legislation. I don't really mind that as much. I'm talking about like softening down things, like like we don't call investigations investigations. We call them learning, you know, event yeah. learning. See, I like yeah. that as well. That that that's the balance. So that's the difficulty I have. A lot of this stuff I really like. Like I I, I like the moving away from accidents and incidents. I like the move away from investigations. I like the move away from audit. My experience as audits was, I, I've I've gone to two sites and once. I mean, I've gone to a hell of a lot more than two sites, but I remember these two sites in particular. Both of them were, were scared of me coming to site. They were scared. <laughs> One woman was full on shaking like when i got to start another guy was just so nervous he couldn't get his words out and and uh, yeah i ended up having a colleague with me um just because he was new to the team and and so this guy was shitting himself even more because he had two auditors turning up two safety and he was so nervous because he was having a audit and as it turned out it was from his previous experience with some dickhead who, who liked to think that he was some kind of police officer and and stuff like that really aggressive so that made it worse but even the word i find has this real like oh god audit like i'm coming to tell you where you go wrong um it doesn't fit right so yeah i'm suppose i'm contradicting my own point here um but but well, yeah me and I, I was talking I'm, I'm sure it was michael i was talking to this about as well i can't remember a couple of years ago i had a guy reporting into me and he, he said oh i got a statement from one of the workers i says let me see this statement and it was two <laughs> lines and it was two lines worker had injured his back so i said right i'm go- i'm going to i'm going to go back to the guy and ask for a story and you watch the difference and he's like oh what do you mean oh, you're a dickhead so I went back and I basically got an A4 page story from this guy. Wow. Like he, t- he told me about, so I said, tell me about when you first started right through in like one week after this injury. So when labor hire, these guys were sort of, you know, they would work a couple of days at a time. So I was always keen to understand what, uh, how their onboarding was. So when, when you capture the story, and it sounds softer and it's it's like it's all airy fairy, I get it. But you just capture so much gold when you ask for a story rather than a statement. 
Yeah, going back to what you're saying about around compliance and the language we're using, we've actually, in a sense, we we don't even talk about safety one or safety two or safety differently. It's 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 about just understanding the work, right? That's the first thing. The second thing around due diligence, we we try and capture stories, right? So because that actually tells you the reality of what's going on. You, we've got, you know, we, we I think we're we're pretty. Uh, adamant about critical risk in, in our business, you know, so that's our focus. Um, and we use stories to tell us whether our, we're managing critical risk or not. And the other side of it is around, again, the language you're using around audits and so on. Uh, an audit in itself will just tell you whether you're compliant or non-compliant. Right? It doesn't give you context into, into whether you, you know, what's going on at the time and, and how you can actually improve yeah. the business overall. So there's... I think there's a, yeah, there's a few things there around compliance and the, and the language is very important, but it's also the approach. You're going in with a bit of paper to say you want to, you know, you're either meeting the requirements or you're not meeting the requirements. Mm-hmm. And, and people are going to run away because they're going to have a heap of corrective actions they're going to have to do after it, right? So that's, that's the other side of it. And then you're going to have, you know, if you go in and ask for a story, well, then you'll get the context and you'll, people will be able to tell you what the, what the problems are and, and you can help your business improve. So. Now, I'm just reflecting on your story there about the guy shitting himself when you came on site. I was yeah. um, a couple of weeks ago, one of our guys had a bit of an event on site uh, on a liquor on a third party site, and I went out just to have a look at it and just sort of just try and understand what happened, really. And then this bloody safety person from this organization came out and really started getting stuck into me saying, Oh, how come you let your guys do this work? And I'm like, Whoa, 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 you just relax a little bit, mate. And um, we're not some diddy company here. We are like we're bigger than you guys. And I will we will take learnings from this and then we'll share that learnings with our team. But he just he was just right away. I'm like, oh, you know, this guy's got my back up. And because they think they know, right? Safety people and we the three of us are, but like we I'd like to think we are a bit different though. Uh, but this this guy was really getting stuck into me about documentation and paperwork, and I'm like, how is that going to stop? How would that have stopped him from injuring himself yeah. that night? There is just like oh, I feel like I'm just rehashing old ground, but like I feel like we we need to just go. I've had this conversation all the time, and I'm just like, how do people not get it? Like the. The, the amount of comments I still see, like, you know, the the, hot, the horrible shit that people put on LinkedIn with a photo, and then it'd be like, yeah. how many how many risks can you spot here? And then be like, well, they've obviously got no permit to work. And I'm like, how how can you tell that from that photo? Like, And, and even yeah. if you can't tell that from that, even if you could tell that from the photo, what's a permit to work going to do? Now, now yeah. permit to work's have a process and, and they're good and, and if they work and for me it's like it's not necessarily my issue is not with the permit to work it's with how we normally issue a permit to work which delivers zero value on the actual job that we do it just uh yes tick 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 off we go um but yeah i just don't understand maybe maybe it's just a time thing isn't it like we just need to keep talking about it and talking about and i think that's kind of quite good about talking with you guys that have actually done it and seeing it right now like, I think it's really interesting that you say, like, you got rid of that that kind of LTI rates and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's promising for me because I hate doing shit like that. It bores the crap out of me. But also, like, yeah. the, the stories thing, like, 
We met a lady at this conference we were speaking at the other day and she said to me that she actually just challenged her executive team not to mention injury rates. She said, just humour me, just humour me. Can we just try it, see how we go, don't mention injury rates. And it worked immensely for her. She was like she even she loved the things that we were doing. Yeah. But she said that when they when that conversation started to shift, they were starting to talk about other like the more important items of safety, you know, are our controls working? And and also I think what it does as well, if if you if you focus on your accident rate, this this is what what I think sells it for most safety professionals. If you're if you're giving your board the accident rates all the time, right, and they're really low, whether you fudged them or you haven't fudged them, whatever, right, they're really low, and maybe they start to increase a little bit, and you do the classic safety stuff. Well, we're just better at reporting now than we were two weeks ago, <laughs> like, but but you, you're getting them low, right, and then you find out, shit, we need to we need to do something for this particular problem, right? We need to invest in this particular problem. We need resources. You go to your board to ask for, you make the business case, you go to your board to ask for this money, and then then they go, well, why do we, why do we, why should we give that money? Well, I need it because I've got this business case. I've just showed you this business case. You know, the accident rates you've been showing us for the last three years is zero, 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 zero. So we're obviously safe. So we, we lull ourselves into, we back ourselves into a corner where people then go, oh shit, I haven't got any resources and money. Well, yeah, because you're telling the freaking board every week that everything's fucking bed of roses. And then you wonder why they're going, well, hang on a minute. You've, you've been telling me it's great for the last couple of weeks. I'm not giving you any money. Yeah, excellent yeah. point, mate. I concur. Yeah. I think, um, I actually think that it's not what we've been doing, right? But it's all we knew either, right? So most of us in the safety profession, we've gone into it and this is how we were taught to do it. So over time, we've kind of started looking for other ways of doing it because we, we're trying to find something better. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't even say you can't really crap on the past either and and, and all the stuff sure. that's come before. You know, you've got to, we're just trying to, to to be better. And I think we're just trying to look for something that, that can, like can that. give us a bit more bang for our buck than, because we, we know that the paperwork doesn't work. Um, we still need parts of it. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to make make it a bit more real and that's what mm. this whole thing is about it's not about yeah. um you know whether you know whether one system is right or one way of doing safety is right it's about how do we get better and how do we improve and and we need to learn as a as a as a profession we need to learn because this is not an exact science and mm. and as you go as you know everyone's got an opinion on how it should be done as well so yeah it's, yeah well, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, unless unless they disagree with me, and then like I'm, I'm not interested yeah. in that opinion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've lost. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to flip this on its head. Steve, Stephen, you said you got your phone sitting next to you with loads of stuff that you want to talk about. So instead of me going and trying to trying to mind read you and say, "Oh, hopefully I'm asking the right yep. questions," why don't you just pick one of those <laughs> things on the list that you want to talk about? Tell me about it, and I'll ask questions about it. Let's do that. All right, mate. Well, let's say we, you were talking about paperwork earlier and the decluttering process. That was another thing that we've sort of undertaken at Urban Utilities. So we had uh, went in and, and basically just had a look at this mammoth safety management system with behemoth documents and just uh, it was just really enormous. So we went in and just had a look at some of the things that we were legally required to have 
and yep. if we could trim them down a little bit, yep. uh, find out where the found out where the duplication documents were. Um, here's another one for you too: is trying to discover who's taking documents off the safety management system. So we wanted, you know, like people have just created their own items, which I'm sure you'll see as well, James. People have just started creating their own documentation, their own checklists, their own yep. risk assessment. Yeah, it's something I've seen quite a lot of. So yeah, we had a, and that's what you were talking about earlier with Dave and Drew's work around, you know, like the demonstrated safety and yeah. um, safety work, all that sort of. That's what we had a look at in there. That was so um, Michael's been working on projects as well around permits of work. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Hit, what, what are you doing? With, what are you doing yeah. with permits of work, Michael? Let, hit me. I'm interested. Well. Well, the stuff we're doing is, um, so instead of, because a lot of our work is done by our delivery partners or our contractors, so it's actually making the system fit the business. Uh, so we're not looking at high-risk work permits. Um, it's more around access to our assets and, and being able to control the multiple activities. So there's a, we've got a massive amount of networks that we, we look after, which are, you know, storage and water, and we've got water treatment plants as well we look after. So there's a massive amount of work happening on those networks every day. So you've got to control the work. So it's really just getting in there and, and, and understanding how the work is done and then trying to build a system around that. So it's that customer centric design. Um, but you know we've got so many different players in, in, in this. We've got a, and I think that's, that's one thing that urban utilities have done really well or we've done really well within urban utilities is actually go back and actually understand well, how can we build stuff that actually meets the needs of the business rather than, you know, just basically, um, you know, cookie cutter another system and put it in there and try and, you know, try and make it, make the business fit the, the system rather than the other way around. So just, just, yeah, yeah that, that slightly different approach, but yeah, look, it's, it's, on you go, Mick, sorry, I was, I was just going to talk about the swims changes that we've done as well. So, Michael was talking about the customer-based approach, James. So, like we traditionally, so I, I'm not sure if it's the same in the UK, but like safe work method statements again are legislated for high-risk construction work here in Australia. Right. And we had a look at those documents, and th they were written by safety people for lawyers, with the protection of the organisation in mind. Mm. So we we really took them apart and took them to the to the people who needed them the most. And that's the guys at the, the sort of cold face. Yeah. And says, what do you make of these documents? Now, I, I won't really tell you the reply on this because it might go out during the day when people are taking their kids to school and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but, but mate, it's safe, to, like, it's safe to say that these documents weren't being utilised as they should have been and, and as we were legally obligated to do. So we got the guys to design them. We were like, mm. what do you need? And they're like, well, we only need this, this, and this. So we cut those things from, I don't know, nine, 10 pages down to two or three pages even. And it was just kept on really, really simple. Like you see um, risk matrices and all that on these things. We took all that off. We took references to legislation away. We took the references to codes of practice away. Um, and we just gave them hazards, the task yeah. hazards and controls. That, and, uh, that, that, yeah. that, that's all we're trying to do here, isn't it? Like we've so lost our way in, in, in the UK, we are so emotionally, maternally, paternally attached 
two risk assessment matrix. It's, it's like we physically gave birth to them and we want to watch them mature into bigger risk matrices that, 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 that spread around the world and create a matrix world. I mean, that was just the worst piece of it, narration I've ever said in my entire life. But like, we are so attached to these. It just does not make sense to me. And, and I am yet to get an answer from anyone that, that uses them, that's really attached to it, when I say, what value does that bring? How does that help you? Now, if somebody turned around to me and said something like, we use it to, I don't know, the numbers feed this spreadsheet, which feeds this spreadsheet, which, which creates the, the corporate risk register, you know, whatever. I'd probably sit and tear that apart as well. But if, you know, at least then they think it provides some value. But like you sit there and you go, right, so this is, do we think this is the four, everybody? Yeah, this is the four. And then what about severity? Oh, yeah, this is probably a five. Well, that puts it at a nine, which means we have to invest in it. Oh, shit. Let's bring the severity down to a three. So, you know, we, you're probably not really going to die. Are you? So let's bring it down to a three. And then where does that put us? Six, orange. Oh, shit. All right, let's put likelihood down one more as well there. And it's just like... And even if they don't fudge the figures like that, let's say they don't, like that's tarring them all with the same brush. Let's say they don't, they don't fudge the figures. They do the figures properly. And then it gives them a risk number for that risk assessment. What, what do you do with that number? Does, does Michael, that help is, you do anything? This has got Michael written all over it, mate. He has a real bee in his bonnet about data. And what you're talking oh. to is just around about, as soon as you were talking there, I was just thinking of Michael going mental. <laughs> I'm gonna just go like, off. Take the leash off and off I just wind me up. Yeah. I look you know, and I think most of us know as soon as you as soon as you put a, a piece of paper in front of somebody to write a risk assessment, the guys already know what the controls are. They already know what they they want to do to to kind of what controls they need to put in place to, to get the job done. And most of the time they're doing this stuff every day. Um, we, we even the legislation here in Australia, there is nothing to say you actually need a documented risk assessment. There is nothing to say you need to use the five by five matrix or you need to do. So it, it says you need to take a risk based approach, right? Which we all know what that is, but it's it's got to be dynamic because the work changes. We know that you, when you're in a doesn't matter what workplace you're in, the, the work changes all the time. So yeah, I get really frustrated over the again. It's the, the focus on the risk assessment itself is is a waste of time. The focus should be on getting the work done and, and having the controls in place. Yeah, mate, this is this is probably a good time to now talk about the gated conversation conversations. Really, like so that. maybe we had a we had a, a process in place where the guys would basically have to tick a box and talk about PPE, talk about the weather. Uh, well, they wouldn't even talk. They would just get this checklist in front of them, tick, tick, yeah. tick, 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 and then sign it in the bottom. So it became pretty clear, probably within a few months of me starting the Urban Utilities, that this document was not offering any sort of, uh, not offering anything to the guys and, and definitely not offering anything to the organisation. So, we done a bit, we've done a few learning teams, mate. Had learning teams is something that we have really taken on boards at Urban Utilities. Like it's it just the guys absolutely love it. So we started talking to the people, saying, hey, how, what can we do with this? And how can we shape it? So I put it was called a wrap. 
our uh, workplace risk assessment process, right? So I pinned that up in the wall and I asked the, uh, the HSRs to go through it and highlight everything that they felt they didn't need. So basically there was one part left, right? And it was just where you, like you, awesome. you had a chat about what was going on. So I said, oh, we, need to, we need to roll with this. We're gonna have to, why don't we try and just get rid of this document altogether? Was that, was that, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Was that, for you, I assume that wasn't surprising, but what about no. like your 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 leaders, like oper- director of operations, or, or you know, like people that are not safety professionals? That were maybe was that a surprise to them? Oh yeah, mate. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Well, they saw it as a safety comfort blanket, mate. They saw yeah. that as well, like a like that protected them. That was evidence. They had signatures that the guys were doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, but signatures mean nothing. I love, I love a signature. Should we should we get everyone to sign to sign this risk assessment that they've read and understood it? Yeah, but have they written and understood it, even if they've signed it? Like, how, how do you know that? Oh, yeah, I'll sign it, but turns out I'm I'm a I'm an immigrant worker, I'm I'm Polish and I can't read English, but that doesn't matter, they've signed it. Like that's not gonna yeah. stand up in court. Come on. Yeah, it's and it and it doesn't stand up in court. I no. can tell you right now, it, it, it doesn't at all. So we, we basically took it to the business saying, look, we want to change the way these guys are doing this work. And understandably, they were a bit nervous. So, mate, we brought the big guns in. Like, we brought some big lawyers to help us. And we have our own internal lawyers, right? But we wanted to get, like, an un-biased sort of view of this. And we, we engaged a guy called Michael Tuma. I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Tuma. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's a good fella. He's a good guy. And he sort of helped us piece this together and make, and make it, under, like, understandable to that level, right? The guys on the, the ground, they were just like, ah, oh, we don't give a shit. Like, we're, we talk about work anyway. So, again, we partnered with Griffith Uni and created a thing called the chat, right? So I wanted to call it the crap, but, <laughs> but for, a, for an organisation like ours, uh, that was... I would have loved, to have, seen, I'd have loved to have seen the CEO of Urban Utilities just going, and I shall now refer to the crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Louise, Louise is lovely. She probably would, have done, she probably would do it too, but, uh, but we actually got the guys to name it. We called so they called it the chat, yeah. and it was basically seven questions that they had to do approach work. So this was a guided conversation, right? So we got stickers created, we got some stuff that they could put on the phone on the windscreen to the cars, just so that when they approached the job, they were actually talking about the work. They were actually talking about risk, which we found out was happening anyway. They were just not using that document, so they were talking about it. So we just helped them communicate that risk better, listening to that listening about that risk better and partner together. And I tell you what, mate, those guys absolutely love that process. Do they record absolutely. that? No, they don't. No. no. But like we say, if something goes wrong, we've got there's what there's a system of work. It's called the chat, and that's the, the process that they do. But again, mate, though it still scares people. I've spoken to other people about the chat and they go, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, where, where's the evidence? Where's the, yeah. how can you put, where's the signature? And so, it's like, well, so let me, I don't know. I, I don't know how different our legislation is. So, I'm, and I've just checked whilst we, whilst Michael was talking a minute ago, he said something about legislation. I was like, I, I know our legislation says something similar, but uh, I'm, I'm going to check before I say it because some dickhead will go, oh, actually, no, the management of the work act uh, written in the blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I'll make sure I get it right. So here's, here's the kind of 
I, I, I love what you're saying about the chat, right? So you got the chat. Don't record it. So in the management of, of safety or work regs in, in the UK, right, I have to risk assess. And then yeah. I have to record significant findings and any group that's identified to be especially at risk. That's all I have to record, right? Record is not necessarily written down, right? But maybe that's another conversation. But your 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 chat is not recorded. So how does the company, let's say you have this same, and, and you may not, you may have something completely different, but I'm just thinking from my perspective, how do I evidence that we are so for yeah. me the chat feels like a control like a, like a control measure that I would put in my risk assessment. Now I don't feel like I can de- I can, I can I can definitely talk through this, mate. As well, right. So basically, when the, when the guys trigger sort of any high risk work, they, they need the swims, right? So that the swims sort of captures those hazards and captures the controls. And if there's anything that's sort of out the ordinary, like um, I don't know, maybe like some specialist contractor or something had to get in that's captured in the swims or that's or that's captured in the job notes right and then we can sort of cascade that information and that learnings to other people yeah so that's that's where we capture it you think about it right there because i i know i've got a a mate who's a fireman and i spoke to him about this and i sort of said do do you run into a burning building and uh, like carry a risk assessment he was like what of course not no We've just got heavy training, and that's and that's what we've done with the guys. You know, we put them through a lot of training, yeah. and how to manage hazards and risks. And it's been an awesome. Let's like say the guys, even now, the guys are like every time I see them, I'm like, oh man, that's such. Like you actually done something to help us. Dude, this is this is the thing that sit that doesn't sit right with me in 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 the arguments against this kind of like like you said, you've heavily invested in your team, and I and I remember somebody putting something on LinkedIn and. I can't remember the whole context of the story, but basically this woman was saying, you know, sometimes you just employ idiots and you just need to get rid of them. And I was just like, if you've employed the idiot, who's the idiot? And and she lost her shit at me. I mean, she lost her shit. She was DMing me. She was tagging me and stuff. Like she went nuts at me. And I was just like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll stick it to my point. If, if if this person's an idiot, as you refer to them, there's something wrong with your interview and an intake process that you haven't highlighted that they're not right for your business. I wouldn't call them an idiot. I would say they're not right for your business, right? So you have two decisions then. Bring them in, bring them in and invest in them or don't bring them in at all. That's your decision as, 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 a, as an employer, right? Personally, I would like the, the former, you know, bring them in and invest in them. But if... Like we have all these risk assessments, we have all these signatures, we're trying to cover our ass. But fundamentally, in my opinion, this comes down to a distinct lack of competence and investment in our staff. We want to employ people, pay them fuck all, get them in and go, off you go. Very, very quick induction. Here's a fire exit. The fire alarm goes off every Wednesday. Bob's going to show you how to turn the machine on. And then we're going to slap you on the wrist if you do something wrong. And I've literally worked in a manufacturing environment that, that did exactly that, exactly that. And at the time, mate, I was fully compliant to that really shit way of working because I had, I had no other content. I didn't know any other. And I'll hold my hands up to that 100%. I look back on it now and I think, it's so obvious now. We did not invest in our team. We didn't make them 
able to be able to deal with this stuff. And the, the arguments I'll get back is, well, you want me to trust my team to manage a risk on their own and not write anything down? Well, they're not, they're not competent to do that. Well, then let's make them competent to do that then. Jamie, you've just, you've, just, you've just nailed the chat right there. Yeah. I'll tell you a really good story. There was a, one of our managers, we were having a conversation with him on Friday and we talk about, you know, all of the cultural change that we've, that we've been able to do at the ground level. But I feel we've made some fantastic inroads in, in being able to coach and our leaders and our business too to have these same conversations. Mm. So, so Matt Hardy, one of our managers the other day, and he's he's got a huge group of people and he, he was talking to his reports and he said, if somebody fails um, in your area, you're accountable for that failure. He said, regardless of whether they're contractors or whether they're our own people, because you can't just keep beating people over the head and expect something to be different. You have to work to actually make, make sure everybody's successful. And if you go in with that mindset, and that's the, that whole psychological safety piece, right? So we've got to make it safe for everyone. It's not just our own people in our business. It's the other guys that, that come and help. And, you know, whoever comes onto our sites to do the work, our job is to make sure that those guys are successful. So the more effort you put in, the better off we're going to be over time. So it's about teaching and coaching people as they come onto the sites as well. So, yeah, I think you know, it's, hearing a manager uh, come come out with something like that was pretty pretty inspirational. It was pretty good. And we've got and our executives are, are exactly the same. That these guys are are just fantastic and and really believe in this whole approach. But they they want to make sure that we're actually you know, genuinely looking after people. So I don't know whether it's just urban utilities or we, we just got really lucky with some great managers and <laughs> or whether we've done a fantastic job as as uh, safety professionals coaching these guys, but. You know, that, that, that's the ultimate. It, it kind of, you know, makes you feel uh, really good as a, a safety guy if one of your managers coming up with some of this stuff. So. And, and when you, when they, I mean, tell, tell me if this is, if this is kind of right, but I imagine that when those managers, those leaders, they take on the accountability for those failures, that, that for me, that's not from a, a position of, of blame. For me, that's a, it creates a situation where like we look at accountability in the UK, especially in my experience of being like, right, I'm accountable. That means I could be blamed for me. I don't look at accountability and that I look at accountability. It's kind of like pride in my work and my, the team, my team and so on and so forth. In like, if I take on accountability, I think it creates, if I'm a manager, it take on accountability, it creates that psychological safety because I, you're, let's say you're my, you two are my, my employees, right? I'm accountable. So then I want to know what you're struggling with, where you're failing, because I need to know because I'm accountable for that. So and, and I was listening to an interview of Amy Edmondson the other day, and she she quoted somebody from Toyota, um, who I think was a manager at the time, ended up becoming like CEO. And um, and he said, she basically, she was quoting him, and he said um, he had a, one of his managers come in, and he was like, um, so I've done this right, I've done that well, this was a great success, I was really good at that, blah, 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 I'm so good. Like, you know, what all managers do, they kind of talk about all their successes, blah, 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 blah. And and this guy who she was quoting turned around and said, no, look, we know you're a good manager, we don't need to know everything you're doing right, we need to know what you're struggling with, and we need to know that now so we can help you. And now, for me, simple things like that, simple quotes like that, I'm like, now that's the shit right there. That's what we need. Just that one line. Yeah, and, 
And that's accountability right there, right? That's, yeah, that's so, what I was going to say. So, yeah. so accountability is telling your story. Uh, sometimes people see, and I've experienced this heaps, man. Like people talk about accountability and just blame, boom, we need someone to blame. But in our world, accountability is getting someone to tell us a story and getting us to tell us their challenges, getting to sort of talk about their team's challenges, you know, where are the pinch points, where are the goal conflicts. So that's where we see accountability. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the biggest changes that we've had in the business as well, just like Michael was saying earlier, that psychological safety. Like um, I, I would, I'd love to be able to measure it, but you know, obviously you never, you can't, right? Mm. But you can only, you can only hear the stories that people tell you. And I think going by some of the scary stories that we have had over the the past couple of years, people will trust us. You know, people, there, people are taking them, are holding themselves accountable. Mm. Yeah, it, it is a big thing as as a manager to 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 be able to. Number one, allow your people to fail, but have confidence that they're going to actually try and do right and and try and you know make it better and and, and improve your business. Because as we know, you can't you can't blame and punish and, and learn and improve at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it has to be safe for the managers to do that. And it's it so to be able to do that within the business, you've got to have the support of your CEO and your the executives and they those guys have got to believe in it. So it's been. Like and that's some of the work we've been really successful is just getting in and, and talking to these guys and giving them an understanding of what this all means and then actually walking out in, in the field with the, the, the leaders and the business to show them, well, this is how it works. Because, you know, you can sit there in a broad boardroom and do a presentation all you like, but really these guys are, you know, they're walking the field, you know, out in the field with the guys or trying to understand their work. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a huge change for these guys out in the field to see these guys coming out, you know, just trying to understand. So, you know, you create a lot of trust and a lot of confidence in your business too. Yeah, I think that so it's funny though, isn't it? Sometimes they, they give the executives what for, you know, they really, yeah. Yeah, they, they really tell them the truth, which is great. That's good, I think. Like that, yeah, well, I mean, it's brilliant. You it's need that, don't you? you? You need that to, they, they sometimes can sit in an ivory tower Definitely. What, how, what else is on the list, Steve? Come on, what else we got oh, that you're desperate to talk about? Oh, I mean, it's not really desperate. I just, I I, I know people like to see, I, I know from my own experience, right, like I always get hit up with messages on LinkedIn. People always say, oh, how do you practically do this stuff? How, how can you really do this? So like, I, mean, I suppose that, uh, look, we had, we removed the golden rules as well. So we had like a list of rules around You've removed what them did, or you've moved to them? No, we have removed them, right? I removed so, them. I thought you said we've moved yeah. to them. I was like, well, this is controversial. <laughs> no, no, no we, we, we took them away, right? Basically, the guys called them the golden bananas yeah, because they were always being bent, right? Yeah. So we, uh, so we had a set of, like, there was, a, I think it was 12 rules, I think, 12 or 13 rules. So these are rules underneath. from the just just for anyone that doesn't know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but for you guys, this was twelve rules that at the top end of the business that everyone must follow at all times. They're the golden rules, like, yeah, that was, like that was must it. hold handrails when going upstairs. Kind of kind of bullshit, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was there was definitely that stuff there. There was there was 
there was rules even underneath these rules. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you a quick story. Like we, um, on my second day at Urban Utilities, I called up someone to let me into the downstairs car park because I never had my access pass. And the girl said to me, oh, are you on your phone? And I was like, yeah, I'm, like I'm talking to you. She's <laughs> no, like, no, no, I'm a telepath, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, was, she was going, but, but you're not allowed to do that. I was like, what do you mean you're not allowed to do that? It's like, oh, well, you're in your car. That's one of the golden rules. You can't use Bluetooth in your car. And I was like, what? So uh, I remember coming upstairs and, and chatting to my boss, Kim, and saying, Kim, this rule is rubbish. This is the most. This is the worst rule I've ever heard of. And she had already said that there was a process in place of starting to remove these rules and take them away. So what we did do, James, is we replaced them with the uh, 12 high-risk activities and then underneath those activities, we sort of discovered the critical controls. And, you know, again, it was all done with consultation with the guys in the field. You know, excavation, that's a massive risk to our business. That's so we got the guys. Similar. Go on, go on, carry on. So we, we got the guys to sort of come up and uh, so we get a better understanding. They came up with the controls and then we sort of had to sort of make sense of them and if they were enough, really. Uh, and again, it works better, you know, like I'm saying. I think the fact that the guys were calling them the golden bananas <laughs> sort of let, lets you know. I mean, they were breaching these rules every single day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there was, they were uh, back in the day, they were, uh, there was the, they were punished for them. Mm. You know, and there was written warnings constantly in that business. That so, sounds, um, the process that you took on sounds like nearly exactly the same as Lang O'Rourke's uh, severe fatal risk. Like pretty, yeah. like pretty much copy and paste of that, really. Which no, I, no, no. We don't. We don't copy them. <laughs> obviously not. Obviously not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say something else, and I've completely forgot. There was something you said there. Yeah. I mean, well, like like I say, we just we went through this whole process of looking at these rules, and I mean, I'm surprised they could get any work done. Honestly, like yeah, the, yeah. the rules are in place. Like, and, and they create really, golf, safety, they, go on, go on. Safety really slowed that organization down mm. I'm, I'm totally convinced of it you know they were sorting the guys from using tools that they're that tradesmen we, we would get contractors in to do the work that our guys could do because we didn't trust the lads to do the work it's costing, costing us millions of dollars as well and, and so, they, cre- they create like goal conflicts like i find like all the time that the phone in the car example i have literally had that exact same experience that we had a rule uh, in in a company I'd worked for, um, mobile phones must go in the boot of the car. And and then when they realised that you could still connect your Bluetooth hands-free from the boot of the car, they said, and no Bluetooth hands-free. So I was like, right, okay. Didn't overly agree with that. And then when you look at it, it was like all of the kind of non-compliance, non-conformance disciplinaries that we had with the salesman were because they weren't answering calls enough. They were losing deals. They weren't closing things quick enough. And it was just like, right, you need to close these deals quick enough. Why didn't you close the deal? Well, because he rang me and I didn't answer the phone. Why didn't you answer the phone? Well, because I was driving. Well, answer the bloody phone. And and it's like there's a complete separation between this world of safety, this golden rule, the phone must go in the boot, and reality, which is this the kind of work of workers designed or imagined and, and workers done kind of stuff. Um, and, and I'm just like, but what, and I have this conversation 
way too many times. Like, should we should we say like no phones in the car? Yeah, but you're gonna do it. So I would rather get a rule that facilitates your work that works for you around what you need to do than then create an environment which you break rules because then that in my opinion that has this kind of subconscious effect that it's okay to break rules i don't know if you've ever seen uh, if you ever watched darren brown stuff do you ever watch darren brown stuff i know who he is but i haven't really seen him for a long time he's not really popular over here it is so applicable to safety 100%. I don't know if it's available on Netflix in Australia, but if it is, you need to watch it. There's so much stuff in that. There's one where he basically gets somebody to kill someone, right? <laughs> Obviously, it's all set up and everything, so it's safe and so on and so forth, loads of actors in it. But basically, I don't, I don't give too much away. There's a big thing at the end, which obviously won't, I won't give away. But throughout it, all he does is he gets the guy to break a really small rule and then the next time he gets him to break a little bit of a bigger rule and then 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 so on and so forth. These are like social rules, you know, social convention and stuff like that. He gets him to break it. Break. I mean, he starts off by eating a vegan sausage roll on a buffet where the actor who leads it goes, I know you're not supposed to eat, you know, I know you're not supposed to eat these because they're not big, but they're really nice. Try one. And the guy's like, nah, nah. So I, I, I eat me. I'm not vegan. So I'll save it. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, honestly, it's fine. Eat it, eat it. And he's like, social pressure. And he's in this awkward environment. He goes, oh, okay. So he eats it. And then and then Darren Brown kind of narrates it. And he says, now this is a really important moment. This is the first step we've made him break a rule. Now it's acceptable in his brain to break a rule. And that's exactly what we do with safety all the time. All the time. Honestly, we make it it's so good. We make it impossible for people to do work. Like, I don't know, as a safety profession, we, we, we had so much power, right? We have so much power um, that we we trying to, and I think the pressure was on us as, uh, as a profession as well to try and, you know, Stay make relevant. sure we... We keep the business safe because we were, you know, the job is to, to to make sure that we're implementing all the safety procedures for you know to keep keep these guys out of prison or you know things like that. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, we we made it hard for ourselves. But yeah, look, I think it made it hard for other people writing procedures that we had no idea what the work actually looked like out in the field, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. that's that. the issue, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, we've all done that, mate. That's yeah. yeah. That, yeah, I, that's I, I spent, about, the spent about six years of my career doing that, mate. Paid the bills yeah. for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, mate. Totally. So there's just there was just crazy stuff like that, you know, these bringing implementing these golden rules and then punishing people. You know, having this retributive approach to um, say actually talking about retributive approach, right? So that was one of the first things we've done, James, is introduce a restorative approach to safety. Yeah. All right. Like the like we had we had like created a strategy just, just to explain like, explain the difference between retro re, re, i can never say it but you know that and restorative just, restorative just approach and the, the obviously retributive approach so this restorative approach obviously asks what people's needs are you know um rather than looking for who's been like who's to blame we um we seek definitely seek to understand you know what's occurred and and if those people need help, um, whereas retributive approach to safety. Sydney Decker wrote an amazing book on this called Just Culture. I really recommend it. Yep. Um, retributive approach is just as it says, you know, like you're you're just being fired 
Yeah. So the, the, that's how, that's a retributive, retributive just culture. Is, you reviewed it. I would just say, if you're looking for retributed, what an example of that is watch uh, watch any film from like the Napoleonic War, um, and how we used to treat British soldiers. That for me, like wear this thing that makes your neck still up like like that, which is really uncomfortable. And if you ever take it off, we're just gonna whip you for it. We've created a rule that doesn't work, and then when you don't do it, we're gonna whip the shit out of you. Yeah. Well, me and our organisation, that actually the ER people started to go, hey, we've not written anyone up for safety breaches recently. You know, is there an issue here? And we're like, nope, everything's working just fine. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of how powerful that can be when you, and, and, and like that, I think that's, you can do that quite easily as well. Uh, but definitely pe- people recommend people have a read of that Just Culture book or I'll just read I'll just watch some of Decker's YouTube stuff as well yeah, on that approach. What was that yeah. shift? What was that shift like? Was there was there was there uh kind of dissenting opinions against it? How how were the like leaders comfortable with that? Or? Oh I mean I think the guys that were issuing the warnings sort of liked it because people were getting breaches for like speeding offences and uh uh, I think it was mostly speeding and vehicle offences, and that our business, a lot of our business is mostly around, you know, using trucks to get to places and then doing that sort of work. But then the argument I would think, then come back that well, you shouldn't be speeding. So, so how do we how do we fix that? Do you know what I mean? I could see this conversation like I literally have it. Every yeah, day. yeah, yeah. No, it's the devil's advocate there. Totally, mate. And the, the, look, it has come back. People like just recently, one guy had four vehicle events. And they were like, oh, you guys are too soft, you know, like, like he should have been given a written warning after his first one. And it's like, well, we try to work through it with him and try to help him and support him and coach him and try and understand what those challenges were. Uh, just like you were saying, mate, before, people were like, not being able to answer the phone during mm. work. And that was like a big, sort of big issue in that too. So is but, there a, I'm oh, sorry, I keep interrupting you and going down a rabbit's hole, but. This that's just, right, mate, you go for it. This just this just kind of reminds me of the conversation I had with with the infamous uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, yeah, and, and and he and and then I kind of put the question to Todd as well when I interviewed him. Now I wouldn't maybe I'd put the question over to Todd, not not great because I didn't get a, the kind of answer I was looking for. But like, the, there is a difference is is the between like, where's the line of somebody that genuinely is just a pure just doesn't want it, you know, it's just a naughty guy, you know, just breaking. Is there a line? Does that person exist? Like Dom Cooper is talking about, well, this guy turns up and he's pissed as a fart, you know, because he's an alcoholic, blah, 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 turns up. Well, there's context there. He's an alcoholic. Why is he an alcoholic? It comes from, and it's, and then it becomes the problem that actually the stuff that's causing this gentleman to turn up drunk is outside of the control of the business which is where I think this starts to get really difficult and challenging for us as safety professionals. I don't know what your thoughts on that, either of you, would, would be. Yeah, I think um, I think if you look at it, right, a workplace is, is, a, is a microcosm of life, right? So you're going to have to deal with these. So you either do one of two things. You either ignore it or you deal with it. So as a business, you put things in place to try and help your people be successful, right? And if that means having a well-being program where you help these guys, there is, like I've been in situations where we've had guys come to me and say, tell me they've, they've had drug problems and we'll try and do everything we can to try and help those guys to, to 
that, but you know, I think that when it comes down to the risk to themselves as well, you've got to manage that as well. It's not, it's not a, it's not a blanket approach. Every situation is different, but it's about the intent is to try and look after people, right? That's what it is. So, and if, so that 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 could going over to that restorative kind of approach, that more. You, you, you're, you're looking after people it changes so is it more a fact that it, it actually becomes more comfortable for the employer to do more to help the employee even though the problems may be outside of the businesses because so that becomes maybe more acceptable to them in their in their cognitive kind of understanding of things is that right yeah, yeah that's, that's what i think a lot of this time is this is hr performance issues a lot of the time it, it's not a safety problem and I've, I've spoke to people in, in the HR business about this you know you'll get people who will say oh they should be getting warnings all the time and it's like well are they, are they getting the warnings because they've made that they've messed something up at work or are they getting is, or are we wanting to do a warning because it's a performance issue and not a safety performance it's you know it's like just they're, they're just having dramas with what they're supposed to be doing but um, I, I sometimes think we get that mixed up I think that's a really good point. I think that's a, that is a really, really good point. Like, and this kind of reminds me of coming to like accident investigations or in, in what would you call them? Like event learning kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're a bit fancy down in Australia. Look at you, <laughs> eh? You're like, you're like uh, the woke of safety. Um, yeah, we're safety yodas. <laughs> woke <laughs> professionals. I love it. Um, but like, so... Just, just for sake of my my kind of traditional approach and uh, or, or or being stuck in a traditional country, let's just go with investigating for sure for the moment. But like, let's say so we're going through this investigation process, right? And uh, there's there's this process in that I, I was listening to <coughs> oh shit, what was his bloody name? Um, oh my god, what was his name? Was it Nippon? It was the other day, and the the the, the guy from the the uh, like the Nordic kind of gentleman he had on uh, the other day. Uh, what's his name? Johan. Oh, Johan something. Nippon's podcasts are absolutely brilliant, absolutely amazing. So so he had you know you can go on them live as well, can't you? Like yeah so, yeah. Uh, I I've been I'm in this WhatsApp group with like Ron Gant and that, and we put it on there. So hang on, I, I really want to get his name because people need to know about him. Um, Johan something, and I can't bloody remember. Let me see. I've got my Spotify here. I'll just have a look to see who's got. I was listening to the one with Andrew Hopkins. Oh, Johan Yo- like... Bergstrom, Johan Bergstrom from Lund University. He blew my mind, right? And and this, this it literally blew my like he was talking about taking inspiration from like opera and fine art and using that as like in your accident investigation. And at first I was like, is this dude high? Like, like what is he on? And I just couldn't get him. I couldn't understand him, mostly because he's unbelievably intelligent and I'm unbelievably not. So half <laughs> the words he was saying, I had to like Google, what does this word mean? What does that word mean? But then I kind of come away from it and I reflected and this was my reflection. And I put this on a WhatsApp group because all those people in the WhatsApp group are so much more intelligent than me. And I was like, guys, listen, there was one gentleman that was on it. And I was like, this, this was my interpretation that have you, have you watched game of Thrones? 
I've never seen one episode of Game of Thrones. You know, Need it. review of watched Game of Thrones. Oh my god! Right, just, just, we're too busy. We're, we're too busy reading safety books and research <laughs> and and listening to podcast games. Yeah, Game of Thrones for me was before I discovered safety too. You're right. Uh, so. You know. <laughs> I, I I didn't read anything back then. I was just I was just at work writing procedures, telling everybody how to work, mate. Life was easy back then. Oh, yeah. Um, so Black I finished, and white, mate. Yeah, that was it, mate. Life was so much better back then. Finish work at nine. I mean, five. Watch Game of Thrones. Anyway, Game of Thrones. Right. It's it's essentially it's the same story from loads of different perspectives. This family, that family, this family, that family. Blah blah blah. It's exact. Essentially, it's all what's happening and that it's a typical novel loads of different perspectives telling one story leading one direction and basically that's what an accident investigation should be a collection of all the facts from loads and loads of different perspectives right so to bring to 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 my point around okay so traditionally it would be my aim is to find the causation is to is to follow the causation and issue some form of blame, be that a blame on a system, which ultimately probably blames the person that manages that system, or so on and so forth, right? Which then means that we end up becoming part of this disciplinary process for that person, but that then becomes a HR position. So this is my kind of thought process around this, is what we should be doing, collect the facts, present the facts, off we go. If we need to issue a recommendation, so maybe sometimes I feel like someone goes, I've been in a situation where someone goes, we're going to fire this guy because he's had this problem, like he's made this mistake three times in a row. And I go, well, well maybe we shouldn't fire him because it's not actually his fault, the context defines the behaviours and so on. So sometimes I do feel like we need to recommend a little bit, but nine times out of ten, I think it's present the facts, summarise the facts, give that to HR or the manager and or the manager, and they go off in that managerial HR process. Way off base, in line, missing something? What, what are your thoughts? Oh, mate, my, my, I think the whole purpose, in, in my world just now, the whole purpose after like is to learn, honestly. I really like the way that Todd Conklin talks about incidents, and it's, it's the least interesting part of the, of the, of the work. Uh, he, he wants to try and understand leading up to that and for me I, I absolutely agree with that as well it's just whether you're mature enough as an organisation to mm. embrace that you know whether you want to seek to understand and learn or whether you're just going nah nah fuck that we're going to punish these guys yeah I agree I think um, as I say the incident is probably not the most important part at all uh, if you're going into an investigation or event learning and you and there's there's a blame being apportioned. I think, as Steve said, you're looking for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, somebody who, who does it really well is Mark Alston's from Investigations Differently. He's got a yeah. fantastic methodology around his blue line investigations. So it really, and you, it's exactly what you talked about, is getting that, those views from all different angles and being able to put them in a, in a really neat package so, so you can actually drive some really good improvements for your business. But yeah, I think there's yeah. If you're going in, as I said, looking looking at the person with the wrong approach altogether. Yeah, because this stuff is like it's just it just it completely changes the way that you know I the way I've been trained. You know, I've been trained to start start at the end. You know, same as you guys probably have start at the incident, work your way to the present day. You know, Johan was talking about going two three years, you know, beyond the incident. 
and looking at the events leading up to that, which makes sense to me now. But I mean, if you'd have said that to me five years ago, I'd have been like, huh? How, how do I even do that? Like, it, it's completely different. One of, one of, one of the other big transitions that we've done into urban utilities is we've introduced learning teams. Yeah. So like I'm ICAMD trained and have been for a number of years, right? But it, as what normally happened with my ICAMD investigations, I would go and chat to the guy and say, all right, cool, this is what happened. Then I would try and have a look, see if there was a couple of procedures. And then eventually I would come up to the conclusion that it was supervision, uh, bad, proce- bad procedures and bad culture, right? <laughs> I'm not even laughing thinking about it now. But, <laughs> but since... Since I discovered learning teams and just getting people in the room and talking about it, it's really shaped my whole view in investigations. Yeah. Some other stuff that I, uh, I've, I've done a, an investigation course with a guy called uh, Rob Long, who does the social psychology of risk. Uh, he, like I've sort of taken lots of stuff that he taught me and the stuff that Bob Edwards has been doing and, and Mark definitely, and the stuff that he's been doing. And yeah, just trying to make my own sort of style of yeah. learning investigations like I will I will get the guys in the room and then put it up on like a PowerPoint and then just bash it out and talk and then say right do you, do you agree with everything there you know what learning have we got from this mm. um, look I, I don't know how that would go in a different organisation but certainly in this one that's sort of got his industrial empathy yeah. it can really industrial you know, empathy. Like, like yeah, they will really take to that and really understand it I think also the difference between a learning team and other investigation types is you're looking for a statement. You're looking for some, you know, try even that whole point of sitting somebody down and trying to get a statement. It actually creates a bit of fear, right? Because people are then, they think that you're actually looking to, to get them or trying to find out what what mistakes they've made to, the, to cause the event. Yeah. But, you know, the learning team is, is you're not looking at any one person. You're trying to get a team together to kind of, understand the context and what are the pressures and and you get so much more rich information so you can do a lot more with the information because investigations are very narrow and then once and then once you start really talking to the people you sort of think oh why did this not happen sooner like we've been bloody lucky yeah where's this been all my life yeah yeah i mean yeah so really the learning team stuff is like definitely recommend reading literature and that having a look at some of the, the videos that are out there too, Bob Edwards, Andrea Baker, yeah, um, Mark, Mark Olson, if you're in Australia and New Zealand, reach out to him for that sort of stuff. But mm. it's, it is really cool. I mean, just, I've just got a little note here around hazard reporting. So okay. we, this might sound a bit controversial. People might agree with it. Oh, I, <laughs> we'll I love see. it. I love we it. Have, um, here we go. Maybe, We've really tried to eradicate low-level hazard reporting. You know, like getting rid of rubbish stuff, and only okay. we only want we only want to know if they, I know you're disappointed. I can see it there, right? I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Uh, so, like, basically, you know, like we were getting. I remember one time there was a hazard report that came through, and it was someone had left a chair in the corridor. <sighs> so I re- I replied back to this person just sort of saying like. How did it take you longer to write the report than to actually move this chair? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we used to incentivize hazard reporting. And I have worked in other organizations that incentivize hazard reporting. And I had a look through our data when I was creating the chat stuff, like the work that we're doing around chat, the chat. Yeah. 
And mate, there was like, yeah, it was all bullshit. There was <laughs> absolutely no data to be captured at all. Yeah. I think I had a look at 100 hazard reports and I probably think four or five would have been like, oh, geez, yeah, that's worth sharing. So we, I had a, I basically ripped off all these hazard reports and I made a, a couple of little slide decks with them around learn and improve or fix and forget. So I would say to people, like, this sort of event, is it worth reporting? Do you just fix it and forget about it? You know, and that's what the people were, that's the way I was trying to coach them. You know, it's like, if it's something that the organisation can learn from, get it in the system and we can share it amongst everyone. If it's just something stupid, banana skin, you know, like there was people chucking uh, cans of Coca, Coca-Cola out the window and that sort of thing. Don't bother, don't waste your time with it. So just really trying to remove those low-level waste of time hazards, which I think a lot of organisations would be like, what? We want to see all that stuff. Like We want to know that hazards are being reported. But this is where the insight process comes in. Okay. That's, uh, that's... Well, explain that. Let's let's explore that insights. Continue then, basically, is what I'm. I'm before I come in and give my ten pence worth on that because I am. Right, on, okay. I am on board. I 100 am on board. But there is there is an interesting question. So continue with the insights, project because you might. Well, I don't know. I, I think I think you're a cynical bastard here. <laughs> 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 nah, mate. Honestly, so the insight process was going into the field and trying to understand the guy's work, capturing where they were improvising, adapting, you know, using different tools that maybe we just didn't know about. So that was the sort of hazard insight approaches we were taking. So we were putting that in the system as insights Mm -hmm. because I just don't know why, mate, this like hazard reporting has just taken on this whole new level of, like a bureaucratic process, mate. I think people just don't believe in it, just don't buy in it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, so you got fix and forget is fix it. That's pretty self-explanatory. Learn and improve, that's when you move into like your insight process, basically. Yeah, if it's something that the organisation can share, if we can, like we're a pretty big company, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Mm. So if we had something that we could share with other divisions, with other parts of the organisation, put it in the system and then, we can cascade that information out yeah. and then other people can learn from it, right? Yeah. Whereas moving a, moving a chair out the way of a corridor, that's, nah, mate, you're getting yeah. nothing there, yeah? What so, about you, Michael? Have you got thoughts on that sort of insight yeah, process? You, I know you love it. Yeah, but the insight process itself, we've got, and this is all part of, you talked about assurance before, James. We've we built that into our assurance program. So we, we, we use that to kind of, we do, we've got a critical work insights, but also we, we gather all this information to help kind of improve our system as well. So if you know, we, we, we've got our assurance programs built around our, our critical risks and some sort of high risk activities in the business. So we send out a pack every month um, and basically the guys come back and we, we're not looking for a one or 10. We just want really good quality information that we can help trying to improve the business. So it's based on those topics. So instead of doing a, like I, I used to work for an organization where we had to do a 36 page audit once a year and every month you had to do like a four page checklist on your, to, for your assurance and go around and check your fire extinguishers and everything else. We've got a system that does that from, from a maintenance perspective. We just want the guys to actually come back within their areas and actually sit down and discuss these things and 
we, we get so much great information out of it and, and it really helps to kind of improve it. And that's, and it's really easy for the guys because they, they do it one week, you know, it might take them an hour a month to sit down and gather all their insights into one good, really good insight. And then we can feed it back into the business and, and that gets reported back up to the business as well in our report. So. Yeah. yeah. So it's not yeah. one person ticking a box. It's a conversation amongst a team talking about the, the assurance topic for the, the month. So I am not a cynical <laughs> bastard, right? <laughs> but but here here here's my here's my I, I'm purposely trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm trying to um kind of dispel some of the myths on, on purpose. So I agree with what you're saying. The fix and forget, love it. Like the amount of times I've had, you know, come over been like James, I, I'm trying to think of an example now. I don't know. Yeah, you've just forgotten about them, right? Because they're so unimportant. Yeah, that, that is the thing. You know, Bob was just running through the warehouse. Right? Yeah, what, do you, what do you want me to do about it? Well, well, he was running through the warehouse. You need to go and tell him. So you hang on a minute. Sorry, let me get this right. You were standing in the warehouse. You watched Bob run in the warehouse. You didn't agree with Bob running in the warehouse. You didn't say anything to Bob running in the warehouse. You let Bob continue running in the warehouse and came up to me to tell me that Bob was running in the warehouse. Do you, do you not see a problem with this? Pro like, I've been there, mate. I've been there. I've had emails like, uh, James, can you uh, deal with a communication uh, to tell people that this is funny? Uh, <laughs> this is a good one. And, and I... I know the boss that sent me this. I know when she sent me this, she had a little bit of her tongue in tongue in cheek. Like she was like, James is gonna fucking love this. Cause like <laughs> I was very I am and still are and was then very vocal about shit safety, as I call it, like stuff that is nothing to do with me. I'm not dealing with it. Uh James, uh, this has been raised. I can't even say it without a straight face. This this has been raised in the as a as a safety concern. Um I don't think of a name, Sheila was uh, seen walking through the warehouse without any, sorry, through the office, a very corporate office, nice corporate office, without any shoes or socks on. Can you please produce a safety communication to tell everybody that they must wear shoes and socks in the office? One, not a safety problem. And the answer I got back was, yeah, well, they could they could step on a stapler or something like that. And I was just like, are we really having this conversation? Are you really having it with me? The, the one guy that, that's just going to kick his, spit his dummy out uh, about this. Like, I've been there. I'm not, I, I, I am not against you in any way, shape or form. Here's, here's my kind of, my challenge, right? In that I know one particular person that is an absolute, kind of genius when it comes to like slip safety and he will come back to that exact statement because I've said exactly the same thing as you did to him and he came back to me with a very fair challenge is slips contribute to so much of this this kind of economic damage because of the insurance premiums and all of this and like all the claims that they get and I was just like okay that's a fair point slips contribute now his his service is slip safety. So the guy's got statistics coming out of his ears. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and he's a good guy. I don't mean this in any way, shape or form as a horrible thing against him. Like this is his job. So he knows it. And he just started reaming off all these statistics. And I'm like, damn, don't have an argument for that. Well, I would, I what? would. So I remember 
I'm going to give a little plug to my Instagram page here, if that's all right, mate. I've got a little safety Instagram uh, no, page. We, we don't do plugs. So of course you can plug your Instagram page, mate. So, I, on my, so I have a little Instagram page called Safety Boy, right? Safety, B-H-O-Y. And yeah. the first picture, Safety Boy, B-H-O-Y. B-H-O-Y, so, yep, got it. So the very first boy picture, like boy like in the water, which is that's a clever little thing. No, 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 there, no. I'm I'm a, I'm a big Celtic fan, mate. So oh, that's what that uh, is. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was uh, like safety boy is in the boy in the water. I was like, that's clever, but no, it's nah, just mate, just nah. a nah. shitty football thing. Yeah, well, this year it is anyway. For sure. <laughs> um, the very first picture that I have on that page is a stapler, and in that stapler it says keep. Aim away from face, right? Now that organization killed three people. And I I would always do shit stuff like staplers. And we've killed three people. Yeah. Where do you want me to focus my energies? Yeah. Focus and I would I would yeah, I would always challenge people on that and just saying, right, okay, so if I'm focusing in on this rubbish. Which it is. No, we're not going to end up in court. We're not going to have any commissions. We're not going to have any investigations for someone standing on a stapler. Fair enough. It might it would cause a bit of like personal injury. But I would much rather channel my energies into sort of concentrating on the critical activities in this organisation. Because I suppose, I suppose to your point, it falls into fix and forget, doesn't it? Like, and, and this gentleman is selling a more proactive way of managing slips from a more, a more kind of, um, you know, looking at the floors, you know, better cleaning regimes and stuff like that. Which my kind of, I remember my argument being, well, I would expect a company to just manage that stuff anyway. Like, like yeah. just just have good good flooring just have good freaking carpets just have a good cleaning regime like i i think that's just the basis of of, well, of any freaking workplace if i'm honest so if it's not then it kind of does just fall into that fix and forget place doesn't it and you know yeah. there's, Mate, there's I've, I've, on the floor. I've worked with those guys in shopping centers and hospitals before where you've got that real risk of the public slipping over yeah, yeah right? sure. not not that i'm not that I'm saying that's the difference like that being a workplace, but uh, obviously the hospitals and shopping centres is a wee, there's a wee bit more risk to the public safety then, right? And that's that's when these sort of issues arise. And I think that's where most of those guys make a lot of their money from. And it does, and, and I've worked in the NHS in, in the UK and it, it gets really, really messy because it, it's like, you can create a culture in a business. Well, I'm just using culture as a term to describe it. Don't pounce on me about the word culture. I'm just like <laughs> using the word culture for the sake of the conversation. Oh, it's a freaking nightmare when you get into this stuff, isn't it? Like, yeah. When you get a culture, let's, let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, James, uh, the word culture. Oh, fucking! Hell, I was just using it for the sake of the conversation. When when you get like a culture in a business, you 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 can. Like if you move over to that restorative approach, you're probably, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically, I'd assume you get less kind of menial claims and things like that because you're creating an environment where people don't actually probably want to claim against you because you're you're, you're learning with them, they're involved in it, it's a more collaborative approach. Uh, whereas you, you can't get that in a public inflation environment, if that makes sense. Did I cut out there? No. You, oh, no, you're with me. Yeah, you did for a second. Look. Yeah, just a few seconds. 
what 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 I would say is that um, we're we're uh, where our business is at, is at the moment is that we have done a lot of this stuff already, right? All of that stuff has already been fixed. So it's it, this is kind of the next iteration of, of where we need to be as a business. So it's important, yeah. You you've got to do all this stuff at the beginning. You've got to look at all your infrastructure and make sure it's all safe and so on. But we're, we're talking about we've got that in place. So what we're doing now is taking is, is kind of trying to focus on the important stuff because that's just business as usual for us right from a from a safety culture perspective um but yeah i think it's it's you're starting from scratch it's a different story i think you still have to have that safety one approach you know in the initial stage you've got to build all the stuff to, to manage the risk so because i i think about it i mean this uh we're gonna have to nip this in a bud because i've got a walk dog and we've been chatting for a long time uh, and I, I can see that Steve's yeah, no, going to say something, but that I think back to chomping at the bit. Come on, That's but, not but, unusual. But, <laughs> but like I think back to my, I'm arguing with myself now because I think back to my experience within, say, the NHS, for example. I was much more work for the property management side, and and we would have this problem with people claiming and stuff like that, people falling over, and. And I think back to one particular event where a lady did fall over, she ended up claiming, blah, blah, blah. And I can also remember thinking, oh, God, this is a nightmare. She's complaining, blah, blah, blah. She's, she's gone. To, she's suing us, basically. And I'm kind of like, well, she should, she should sue us, actually, because we haven't looked after that pathway for fucking years. So actually, yeah. it, it, is, it is like... It's just so obvious. Like, if we did have that kind of fix or forget me, we would have just fixed that pathway. And she wouldn't have fell over in the first place. So therefore, it, I suppose I'm I'm kind of proving my own my own argument wrong. It's not not that saying that I didn't agree with you guys. Go on, Steve. You can you can go. You're chomping at the bit. I can tell. Yeah, you did. You did. You you did agree. Basically, now I mean, just, what, what, just I can't kick you out this call. Right? The, the... <laughs> 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 um, mate, I remember I was, I was a couple of years ago. I was doing some work with um, a company that's. The emptied garbage bins, right? And I remember there, there, were, there was talk of banning knives. Yeah. So, you know, like yeah, pocket knives, Stanley knife stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sort of said to them, right, so we can trust these grown men with 33 ton trucks interacting with schools, vehicles, power lines, uh, like, uh, all sorts of like overhead lines and all sorts of things, telecom lines, but we can't trust these guys with a knife. Mm-hmm. Have a think about what you just said. And that worked. They were like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we, we, like, we shouldn't be looking at knives at all. I was like, thank you. And then that, was, that sort of made me sort of think totally. Those guys, mate, when I went in, in my office, sometimes they would have signs in the sink saying, the water is hot. The the toasty maker. These are all photos that I've got on my little Instagram page. By the way, so you can tell that these stories are genuine. These because um, I would take pictures of this stuff and say, go back to the business and say, we are focusing on rubbish. We need yeah. to start looking at these drivers and their fatigue and you know striking power lines and striking uh, other vehicles. Yeah. And it took a while, but eventually it started sinking in. Yeah, because we get. We do get bogged down in all that little stuff, don't we? And it, there's so much of it, like, you know, oh, we need to make sure everyone holds the handrails when we go up the stairs and we need to, you need to... Yeah, yeah. And, and that and that place incentivised hazard reporting as well. 
Mm. I think the insurance industry has got a lot to answer for too, because that has caused us to to go in these different directions, right? We're having arguments at the moment over, you know, introducing bits of paper that the insurance, our insurers are looking at to kind of, because they they see it as a a standard practice, but for us, it, it doesn't, it doesn't add any value to our business, but um, they're adamant that they want this in place. So that, yeah. I think that's been, that's quite common across you know, everywhere in the world that the insur- insurers want you to to implement a system and tick a box to say that you've covered it off on a bit of paper. So, mm. so oh God, I, re- I we are going after this is the last question, but I said I was going to bring it back up and I didn't bring it back up. Um, do, you, do, you, do you not think it's contradicting that you have ditched your LTIs and your true rates, but you ask your contractors for it? And so, so why uh, is why do you still absolutely do okay? Because cool. of getting, because, <laughs> because they are because they are not mature enough to sort of implement these different systems that we have put in place, like work insights. Even but now we're asking for that stuff. We're saying we don't want numbers; we want stories. Okay. So, uh, so you are you are shifting over for for your from your co- contract to to put that same thing on your contract. So what if a contractor comes back and they're just like you you what? I can send you a policy oh, assessment and some LTIs. Mm. Do you, you kind of accept that in and then and then what? Matt, like facilitate and coach them as they come in, or what does that process look like? Yeah, a wee bit, a wee bit like that, mate. Um, look, we go into the procurement process really. Uh, and that, that's what it stems from, right? The procurement process is saying, hey, what are your injury rates? So we've started to change that process as well. We've started to go, right, okay, let's ask them how they consult with our teams, how they, yeah. you know, like what, how they manage high-risk activities. Let's get them in. Let's, ra- let's Rather than them just sending us a document, let's go out and have a look at what they do. Let's go yeah. meet them. Yeah. yeah. I think the other important thing to say is that we've got a lot of work to do still, like as a business, there's there is heaps of work to do. And this Fair is point. um we have we had a, a massively a massive safety system that we're still working through to get through. So so not everything is is finished. We've made massive inroads uh, culturally in the business and some of the big ticket items have been really, really well um kind of looked after in this approach and but there's still a lot of work to do. You never, you never really stop. It's like any, it's like any safety system. You never, you never finished. I think that's a really good point, actually, Michael, because I think that 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 brings this this that brings a lot of these questions into a really good a lot of the challenges to this stuff into a really good knot, like into one place, really, because it, it is that kind of don't throw the baby out with a bathwater. Like, yes, we're on this kind of new view journey but at the moment over there we haven't got to that point yet of contractors and and procurement so they're still asking for LTIs they're still asking but we'll deal with that at one point we're prioritizing this right now and this is a project um whereas I do think there is a misconception that you know and and I think this comes from a bit of passion as well I think I did it I think a lot of people do it a lot of people I talk to do it they read they read safety differently they read just culture they read safety one safety two they read all of these books and then they, they get to work and they're like oh fucking hell get rid of it all do you know what I mean risk assessments now fuck that actual investment now fuck that and they just throw it all out sorry oh you've got like kids yeah. in the background or anything like that but like that's that literally what it's like I think people get so excited about it they're like yes this is it and they want to just change everything in one go and actually it's just like whoa 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 calm down you, you need to eat this elephant elephant by, by, by bit by bit and and just kind of little bit here a little bit there 
You have to do actually, that. Yeah. I was I was actually going to offer James a, a role at Urban Utilities there after that outburst. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's sort of like our meetings on a Monday morning. <laughs> I mean, uh, if that if that's if that's going, I mean, let's let's have that conversation, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, mate. You can come over anytime. You're all yeah, told yeah, up. Told I should be uh, glad to get out of the cold oh, and the book. Oh, sh- oh, Sherry, we're moving to Australia. <laughs> yeah, we'll meet uh, Brisbane's at, Brisbane and Queensland's the hotbeds of this stuff just now. It's really, you know, we're, we're lucky that we've got like, Sydney, Drew, and Griffith University and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Here, there's, there's lots of, I'm, I'm currently studying under those guys as well. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of excitement in Queensland for sure. Yeah, I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous. We're a bit behind the times here. But anyway, I it's am going to go. It's coming, mate. That's all yeah. right. Hopefully, hopefully. But we're going to have to shoot, guys. We've been chatting for nearly two hours. So, uh, and I, I need to walk my dog, bless him. He's desperate. And I want to yeah, go before to go it to, rains. And I need to go to bed because it's midnight nearly. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, gents. I apologise. You should have told me it was so late. You, oh. Jesus. Yeah, we're, we're used to staying up late. I just say uh, it's normally we, we have a drink in our hand at this stage, but we're, we're yeah, we, It's we, midnight on a Sunday. Is it Sunday <laughs> feed on Monday? Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah, that's Sunday night, yeah. Oh, fucking hell, boys. You're committed. Thank you very much. Jesus no, Christ. No, mate, we didn't. We wanted to, we know that we wanted to have a good chat with you about some of the stuff that we're doing. We've been listening to some of the other podcasts that you've done, and I was thinking, oh, we can offer a lot to these guys. You know, we can definitely. Like we we've we've done it we've done the work now so we can yeah. we can probably give some good advice. Hopefully you covered everything that you that you wanted to cover. If not, we'll just have to get you up again at midnight and we'll do it again. I was yeah, going to say this. The next time is we're we're just going to tell you what not to do. So we've we've, <laughs> told, we've told you what to do now. We haven't told you what not to do. So yeah, nice yeah. I mean, and if people like some of the stuff that we've done, I, I know I've told you this, James, but. I've got it on my LinkedIn page, mate, that I, I put, because I get, I get a lot of requests from people just asking, hey, what do you do? What have you done? You know, how can we do this? Yeah. So I just put everything there on the LinkedIn page and they can sort of, yeah. and I think that, sort of steal that, away. I think that's really powerful. And I think that I think Queens and Utilities and there's um there's another there's another company as well uh, at your way that, that shares a lot Mitchell's. of stuff. Langer Langer Rourke share their whole entire system like but people don't know about it I talk about it all the time and and it, that's the only way that, that we really make this difference is we just give stuff away and we tell people how to do it um so thank you very much for that guys uh, thank you for your time I apologize it kept you up so late next time if you're booking a call and the only option is midnight just drop me a message and we'll try and work something out. We'll, no, it we'll, we'll do it on a Saturday night next time, mate, and then you can have Saturday beers during the day, and then we can have sort of I, nighttime I, I, drinks. I, I am here. My uh, There we go. I am here. My uh, cam- my other camera's died. That's a good signal that we need to nip this in the bud. Happy days, mate. Good on right, you. Guys. I appreciate the chat. Go to bed. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, James. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Good on you, mate. Bye. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that chat. Such a good chat. I'm not going to talk much about it now because I want you to check in with our reflection, which will be coming in a few days so you can listen to that. That is a podcast exclusive episode, the reflection episode. You don't get them anywhere else. They are just podcasts. So if you're watching on YouTube right now, make sure you go to 
any of the podcast platforms um, to check that out. Listen on your commute to work. Now we're all going back to work. I hope you're all having a good time. I hope going back to work is nice. I hope if you're in the UK, the summer is finally starting to look like it's here and you're starting to enjoy yourself. The pubs are open, the restaurants are open. You're starting to think, oh my God, is this actually over? And I think it might be. Fingers crossed. Let's just not, let's just not fail us now. Let's keep focus. Let's keep with our COVID secure guidance at work. Let's work hard. Let's keep this virus back. Let's vaccinate where we can, people. If you're not up for a vaccination, then that's your prerogative to choose it. But honestly, I think we should all vaccinate, but I hold nothing against you to make your own choice. That is your right. Let's bite this virus. We're nearly there, people. We are nearly there. I'm so buzzing I can get back in the pub and go to the coffee shops and shit and eat restaurants and stuff like that and see the theatres opening again. My mate runs a a company that works in the theatre industry and he's busy now. It's just so nice to see. So well done, you all, for getting through this. We're nearly there. Let's keep going. I'll catch you in a couple of days in the next podcast. A rebound is safety. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.